just watching my mom work so hard to provide for my sister and I and give us like literally the best of everything and travel and all this, I wanted to create something that could generate wealth, that could generate security for me and my family and, and create that. And I saw that in having a, a business. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. This episode of Side Hustle Pro is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that has revolutionized its products to create an insanely comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash side hustle and using promo code side hustle at checkout. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Candice Idahan, the founder and CEO of New York City's Bed of Nails Nail Bar, an unconventional co-ed salon offering designer nail products, a chic atmosphere, and unwavering quality manicures. Mesmerized by art and beauty since childhood, Candice has utilized her passion and education to not only become a successful freelance celebrity manicurist, but also a driven entrepreneur. Her business and nail services have been commissioned by the beauty and entertainment's most prestigious brands, from commercial photo shoots to Fashion Week. She's been featured by some of pop culture's favorite websites, including Essence, Refinery29, and Harper's Bazaar. Candice was also named a Tory Burch Fellows finalist and education program participant. What I love about Candice is she's not only ambitious, but relentless. Once she set her mind to open Bed of Nails, there was no stopping her. And she opened in a prime location in bustling and expensive Harlem, New York at the young age of 25. That is just incredible to me. But I won't spill any more beans. Let's get right into the episode. So welcome to the guest chair, Candice. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. So I want to take it back to your earlier days. Do you remember when you got bit by the entrepreneurship bug? Um, I do. Um, I remember being bit by the entrepreneur bug. I was very, very young. I want to say I was in maybe the third or fourth grade. Um, a part of just even my story, I, I used to sell candy from my desk when I was in the fourth grade. And like that line where you would have your pencils lined up, I had my quarters, my dimes, my nickels, my pennies, and I had candy. And I was like, I need to figure out how to make money. And I would just sell candy until I got in trouble one day. My teacher got a hold of what I was doing and made this whole lecture. And like, if you aren't kind enough to give candy to your friends, then you shouldn't be doing anything else with it. Like, like, it was so, like, discreetly trying to tell me, stop selling candy from your desk, Candace. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so that was one. And, and just as I got older, I remember um, one year I tried to sell my sister a Christmas gift because I had this bag that she really wanted. And I was like, well, I can sell it to you for Christmas. And I got in trouble also. Like, why are you trying to sell your sister a gift? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> 
So I I definitely had like these moments of like, I just need to make money and I need to figure out how. And then as I got older, like I would go to Costco and like buy tubs of, of um, cookie batter. And then I would sell cookies at my mom's job. I made bracelets and sold them at her job and sold them to friends. And, you know, I uh, for Christmas for at least three years, I was begging my parents for a cash register. They never bought it for me, but I did get a cash box. So they were like, I'm not spending $300 on a cash register. Like, what are you doing? And I, they bought me a cash box, which just needed like a little combination. And I would always play store, play cash register. I made fake money. Wow. I did, um, funny enough, um, <clears throat> I think I was in like the seventh grade. I didn't know that, I probably shouldn't say this, but <laughs> I didn't know that copying money was a federal offense. And I'm at my mom's job and I'm like asking people for like dollars, five, ten. So I can like make copies and make play money so I can use it in my cash box. And then one of her employees (laughs) were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm making money for my cash box. And they were like, you need to stop right now and I'm taking you to your mother. And my mom was like, what is wrong with you? And in my mind, I'm like, I'm making copies of money. Duh. Like I need to put it in my cash box. So I can play cash register. And then my mom was like, you cannot do that. Was there anyone in your house who was an entrepreneur? Like, what inspired all of this kind of business savvy? <laughs> um, actually, everyone, no one was actually an entrepreneur. Um, my dad, when he was younger, he dipped and dabbled in, like, different, like, forms of commerce, but, like, nothing substantial. Like, it wasn't his goal to, like, be an entrepreneur. He's actually an attorney by trade. But the passion that I had, like, it was there in, like, bits and pieces and ways, but no one was actually an entrepreneur. That was just, I guess, my love for money and, like, the exchange of commerce, like, I buy and get and buy and sell type of thing. Amazing. Okay, so you eventually go down kind of a traditional path, right? You went to school. Mm -hmm. What was your initial thought about what your career would be? Honestly, I was the kid who wanted to do everything and anything. Like, I would wake up one day, I want to be astronaut. Oh, I want to be FBI agent. Oh, I want to be this. I want to be that. Like, I every day was something else. So it's just my sister and I. And she was always the one who knew. Like, she knew that she wanted to be attorney since we were kids. She knew she wanted to go to Harvard. And it was exactly that. She's an attorney now. She went to Harvard undergrad and to Harvard Law School. And for me, I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Wherever the wind blows today, that's where I want to go. And I just it took me a while and it's funny because when I did finally go away to school um I did the traditional route as you mentioned my mom mentioned that I should study business and I was like you crazy lady like I'm not doing that (laughs) and here I am um when I originally went away to school I wanted to do pre-med that's what I was thinking that I was going to do because it was always this line of I loved helping people and like taking care of people but then I also loved like fashion, beauty, making money, like it, this this entrepreneurial spirit was like I mentioned it was always in me, but I couldn't like marry those two together. And as I was in school and I realized, yeah, my life is not about 14 years of college or of, of education <laughs> to become a doctor. So after two years, I was like, yeah, we're going to exit stage left. Like I'm not doing this anymore. But I was always into history. That was always my favorite subject. So I was always taking history classes along with science. And once I decided I wasn't doing medicine anymore, I just stayed with history just so I could graduate. It was like, I don't want to be in school forever. 
And it was there, I might be stepping ahead, but it was there that I found my business class, which eventually got me to uh, into the path to create a bed of nails. I went to the University of Maryland College Park for two years, and then I came back to New York like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I actually wanted to drop out of school, and I like went to dinner with my parents and sat them down like, okay, I have to plan. I'm going to tell them I'm dropping out. I'm going to figure things out, and then we'll see where school picks back up in my life. And we're sitting at dinner, and I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to go to school. My dad was like, did you waste my time to bring me here to tell me that? <laughs> you're buzzing. Like, you're... <laughs> you're going to school, so I don't know what we're sitting here doing. And my mom was just like, absolutely not. That's a hard no. So I suggest you let me know how much your books are going to cost and figure out what classes you're taking next semester because you're going back to school. Well, shout out to supportive parents. (laughs) And I have, like, my dad's Nigerian, my mom's Jamaican, so I don't know. Oh, okay, it all makes sense. I didn't know that. (laughs) Right. So did you transfer to a New York school? I did. So after being there for um, two years, I came back to New York um, and I ended up going to City College because I'm in Harlem. It's in Harlem. It's one of the um, well-known CUNYs and it's actually a good CUNY. And they have the Sophie Davis medical program. So I said, well, just in case I may still want to do medicine, let me place myself somewhere where it'll still be a viable option. So I went there, but say once I got there I was like yeah no I still don't want to do medicine um I just want to graduate so I it was one semester I think it was like a maybe two semesters or three semesters before I was actually going to graduate I just needed an extra three credits on my semester on my transcript and I was like well let me figure out what to take there was a black studies class that was open that was my first time ever taking a black studies class and I was like well there's no description. And I was like, I'm black. This should be easy. Like, that was literally all I my thought process. Like, how hard could a black studies class be? <laughs> so I took it. And the first day of class, it was the professor was introducing himself. And he said, well, this is going to be black business and entrepreneurship. Oh. So I was like, okay, wow. Um, and I was like, there has to be a God moment because it literally there was no description for the course. It was just numbers. It was 312 black studies. That's it. They didn't have any information. And the reason being was the professor, that was the first time that he had ever taught that course. And he had just created the curriculum for it. So he didn't even know what he wanted to name it. So he didn't submit a name for it. I just took it like, well, I'm black, so we should figure this out together. <laughs> um and that's where I came up with the plan. It was um, between the nail salon and the shoe store. And I was like, well, I love beauty more. So I said, well, let me just create a, a business plan for a nail salon just to get an easy A like this. I can do this with my eyes closed. But why nails? Were you doing nails before? No, actually. So I went to Catholic school my whole life. And in high school, nails were really popular because we were uniformed. I went to co-ed high school. So nails were really, really popular. And it was like, well, what are you doing? This week? I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. We all pretty much went to the same salon and so the same girls. And when I went away to college, like I, that love was still there. But it, that started from when I was a kid, my mom and I would like do facial masks and while I was like young and like we would polish our nails together and I'll put a little stickers on. So like she introduced me to like beauty and like self-care and taking care of yourself and always feeling good about yourself. And that just continued on until when I was in high school and then I was into nails. And then when I went away to college, that was like one of my things that I enjoyed doing for myself. But then I couldn't find a really good nail salon when I was in Maryland. 
So I came back to New York and I was doing my nails, same thing. And then I took this class and my manicurist at the time, she had a baby and was moving around and it was just so hard to find somewhere that was really, really good. And that's what kind of sparked the idea of, you know what, why don't I actually just invent a nail salon? Like, I love doing this. I can't find a great place. I think the last salon I went to was actually a black-owned salon and I had yellow nail polish on my nails and the nail tech took the polish off of my nails and was like, oh, I think you have a fungus. And I looked at her like, lady, you just took yellow nail polish off my nails. My nails are stained. Like, even I know that. And I was just like, you know what? I have to run somewhere. I didn't manage my time while I have to go. And I just like never, I didn't do my nails that day. And after that, I was just on a hunt to find a really good salon. And while I was in school, that's when I was like, well, you know what? I can't find a nail salon. I love getting my nails done. How hard could this be? Like, why don't I just create this idea? At this point, I had no idea that I would actually do this. It was just, well, this might be fun. Like, if I'm going to create a business plan, I want to do it for something I'm actually interested in. And as the semester went on and I learned, I was like, I could probably really do this. Like, I never wanted to work for anyone. I had, at that point, never really had a job like talking like summer things and like that. So I just said to myself, well, why not like really do it? So as the semester went on, I ended up enrolling in nail school because I said I wanted to be an owner and a boss who knew what I was doing, not just a dictator telling people what to do and relying on someone else's information. So I went to nail school. I graduated from nail school. I graduated from undergrad and I just jumped into the nail industry. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I um, wanted to do make connections and like just expand literally my borders. And I wanted to do fashion week all over the world. Once I got a taste of that, my nail school teacher, Miss Lloyd, um, she actually um, geared me towards that, which I kind of knew a little bit about that, but she was the one like, you should jump into fashion week and start, try to do that. And she gave me a couple of contacts. And from there, like I just started moving and I did fashion week, which is my goal all over the world. I've done New York, London, Milan and Paris several times. Um, and just making contacts. Yeah. So let's take a step back for a minute. I would love to know, okay, Mm -hmm. so you have this awesome idea and you knew you wanted to make a nail salon that was unique. What is so unique Mm -hmm. now about Bed of Nails? Is it the unisex concept? So there's many things. I'm huge on like customer service. Like that's where my starting point is. Always, every single day, it's just customer service. And I think... A lot of businesses lack in that area, um, especially where we are, like in Harlem, like we're not known for customer service. Like most people just hate becoming or being patrons in Harlem because it's just a very poor customer service in a lot of places. So just aside from anything like I doubt, I focus on that and everything blooms from there. And I wanted it to be more like a concept salon, like where, as you mentioned, it's gender neutral. So men and women would feel comfortable in the salon because just looking at who my clients were before I opened the salon, I was doing a lot of home visits and I would go see clients and friends and from varying industries. I saw some producers and things like that. So they had different hours and that's kind of um, where my at home, like nails and bed services came from because I would literally be in people's homes and some of my clients would be laying down with their hands, like hanging off the side of the bed and I would do it that way, you know? And it was really just blooming into the actual business. I'm looking at things that they need. They want customer service. They want to feel like they're they're not in a salon. 
they want to feel wine and dine in the sense of, you know, offered beverages, water and tea when they come in. It doesn't smell like a nail salon. Like, so I do have moms who want to come in and bring their kids in and not feel like, okay, I'm about to kill my child with these fumes. You know, our salon smells, actually it smells very heavily like perfumes and fragrances. We have plugins, we have diffusers and people always come inside and like, it smells so good in here. And I'm, I'm always like, yeah, um, it should. You know, we don't use any acrylic. So we use hard gels, which can achieve the same result as an acrylic um, because I don't want those fumes there. We have a lot of pregnant women or just moms and children. And I just don't want to be breathing that in all day myself. So we, we try to cater to a type of a demographic that does appreciate those things. They appreciate being able to speak to their nail tech, which is another thing that I wanted. There's so many times when, you know, you go get your nails done and you're just sitting there staring or you're on your cell phone the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be able to unwind and relax while I'm doing this, you know, this beautifying service. I don't want it to be another stressor. I'm like continuing my day inside of the nail salon. Like, I want it to be a respite. I want it to be a moment where I can like be brief and relax and maybe have a conversation with someone next to me and it's funny, a lot of our clients end up making friends with clients in there and they have schedules together like, oh, I'm booking my two weeks, you're going to be here in <laughs> two weeks. crazy. It's, it's, it's so, it's, but, but I love that because people don't get spoken to anymore, you know? Like mm -hmm. people don't, you don't find out how people are doing anymore. There's no, hello, how are you doing? What are you up to? Like, you know, people miss that and they yeah. want to feel connected to someone else in another way like you're at work all day no one's speaking to you they're just demanding things from you you go home you might have a spouse who still is not really checking in and seeing how you're doing you want to have that you want to have a little girl's time a little you know moment where you can share and open up and feel like okay I'm not being judged and then go on to your day right. so we want people to literally come inside of the salon and forget outside come inside and experience like this beautiful smell, this beautiful, bright, vibrant space, right. make some friends, chat, get a beautifying service, feel good about yourself, and then you can go back into the world. One of the things that really impresses me so much about you is you started this all so young. What were you, 25? I mean, how did you go about mm -hmm. it from having this business plan to securing real estate in Harlem, one of the most expensive places out there? Yeah, <laughs> it was literally hustle, as you say. <laughs> from when I finished my business plan and I graduated from school, this was always my goal. So people without vision will perish. And I kept the vision in my mind, and it was to have a brand. I knew that I wanted to travel and do freelance work and work with celebrities and all this, but I knew that what something that would be lasting that could take care of me would be having a brand. So when I, and I knew that at a young age and just watching my mom work so hard to provide for my sister and I and give us like literally the best of everything and travel and all this, I wanted to create something that could generate wealth, that could generate security for me and my family and, and create that. And I saw that in having a business. And as I jumped in and started freelancing, working at different salons, making connections, I was like, well, I need to figure this out. And I had a business plan in hand, which was literally like my roadmap to figure out how I was going to do all of this. I just really like hustled and grinded. I, every day, it was funny, like I would tell people like, oh, 
oh, I'm opening tomorrow. I didn't have a single location. I didn't see a space <laughs> yet, but I just knew we opened tomorrow. Yep, by the end of the week. And like literally, I would say to everyone, my friends now laugh at me because they were like, yo, you were crazy. But it was literally that drive, and I would work. I saved. I remember the summer before we opened, I literally bought nothing for myself. Nothing at all. My shoe, one of my sandals that I wore all the time, like, literally had a hole in it. Like, I was like, I'm not buying anything. If someone wants to buy me something, no problem. But I'm not spending any money. I need to save everything. And I would just share my idea with people. And it was ended up being family who bought into my vision and um, invested in me. And it was through money. Like, I didn't have any, like, traditional lending. It was just family that saw what I was doing, saw my passion for it. They looked through my business plan. And, and a lot of times, like, I didn't even have to show it to them. I could spit out information and numbers and my ideas and concepts. And they were like, you know, and I, I believe this. Like, I think this can work. And they ended up giving me money and investing in my vision. And that's how I was able to open with money from family, money that I saved up from working really hard. And just friends being like, you know what? I know that you can do this. Here's a couple dollars. Like, I may not be a bunch, but here's a yeah. couple dollars. And they would just invest in me in different ways. They would go find this, like, oh, you should get this for the shop. And, oh, I went here. I don't like that they do this. Don't do that there do this and they would literally invest in any way that they possibly could and it was literally like a family of support that got that for me and this space that I'm in now is so funny one of my um, closest friends she I was struggling to find a space I found one I really liked it and Lord was being crazy and then I and that ended up falling through and I found another space and I, the space I'm in I didn't want to see it and I was talking to my friend about it and I was like I don't like I don't want to be there like I don't know like it's, it's I don't really know. She's like, girl, just going to see the space doesn't mean that you sign the lease. Like, go see the space and stop being crazy. And I was like, all right, fine. And then I went to see the space, and I was just madly deeply. Like, I just fell in love with the home, and I went into the space. So I always joke, and I'm like, well, she was she was the reason why we're here. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> because, yeah. Hey, guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. Okay. I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You want to know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro to start your two months now. Y'all, the side hustle grind is no joke. When you're getting up early and staying up late just to work on your business, sleep can be pretty elusive. So that moment when you finally jump into bed is like heaven, especially when you have an amazing mattress like Casper. Casper's mattresses are designed by humans for humans. Listen to these dope features. Casper mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface. 
Plus, they have this breathable design so you stay cool at night and it regulates your body temperature throughout the whole night. And buying the Casper is super easy. You just order online and it's delivered to your door in a compact box. Plus, it includes free shipping and returns for the U.S. and Canada. Casper even offers a 100-day trial so you can sleep on your mattress before committing to it. So go ahead, check out Casper today. My listeners get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash side hustle and using promo code side hustle at checkout. Again, that's casper.com slash side hustle and promo code side hustle. Terms and conditions will apply. Now, two things that you mentioned. Number one, I was talking to someone and they talk about the fact that sometimes we take for granted when we're raising money that family and friends around, you know, we think, oh, you don't want to burden people. Our family doesn't have a lot. But those one or two dollars, like things add up when you really get a mass group Mm -hmm. of people. And second, so when you saw the space, did you also start thinking of things like foot traffic, like what else is around it? What other considerations did you make to know that, okay, this is a great business location? So I knew that it was central, which made it great for just the way that Harlem is accessible. I wanted to be central. We were really close to two train stops on two different lines. So we're right on the 2-3 line and we're also on the BC line, which are avenues apart. So I knew people could get there. And Harlem is like very bus heavy. So a lot of people do take the bus and there was great visibility. So I'm on 7th Avenue or Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard. Those who are from Harlem call it seventh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm on Seventh Avenue, and you can actually see it like clear as day while you're on the bus, which is great. Like it's on an, a very wide, um, broad avenue, so people are able to see it. And just visibility is very important, and it not being too far, too hidden from a train stop is also really important. Right, and that's definitely happened to me too, where I love, love, love a beauty vendor, but they are just out somewhere where I'm like, this is not central. I can't make it. I'm just going right. to have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have to do a lot of transformation to the space? I did. I did a lot of work in that space. It was literally like once I walked into the space, I I could see where I wanted everything, how it would grow. Um, so there was rooms up. So it was like an office before I got in there and then a place that sold hair and the place that sold hair never took down pretty much the structures. So it was very all over the place. It was just all over the place. So we have an exposed brick wall, but that was covered by something. The floors were this weird brown kind of color, but stained in areas. Um, there was actually nothing in the bathroom. There wasn't a sink and toilet. There were holes in the floor. There was this thing I, I called the chicken coop, but I think it's where she would hang dry the hair or something. Um, but it's this big little case. It looked like a chicken coop. Like it had mesh like rails on it. It was just weird. So we had to take all of that down, redo the floor so it um and stain it black. I recreated the bathroom completely, which is like one of my favorite spaces in there. The bathroom is all black with chandeliers inside. 
And our one of our favorite things that clients love, the bathroom is an actual hand, the bathroom doorknob. So you have to shake the hand to go into <laughs> it. Um, and- I love it. So a lot of it, I did have to create, we have to create our pedicure stations, the risers. Um, we had a, a woodsman come in and build those. Yeah, so there was a lot of work that went into the space. Knowing what I know now, like I always say, I'm going to write a book for young entrepreneurs. I was just I'm about to see. Age, but <laughs> <Yes>. just, <laughs> yeah, a state of mind because I learned so much. Um so much and you know being young when I started you know you're a little naive and you just take things for granted but you can't do that in business there's no such thing and you also you know it sounds like you also have a very high standard you have taste you have awesome style so were there things that you're just like it has to be this way to create the aesthetic but it's out of budget and what did you do to offset those costs like were you renting out a space what do you do to make sure that you're always profitable Well, you have to stay committed to your vision, but be flexible because you don't want to stay so committed that you don't, you don't bend and you can't see the vision at the end. You may have to jump back to jump forward. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you get so committed to one idea that you can't see anything else and that'll cause you to fail. You have to be able to grow and to evolve in different ways. And you always want to keep your plan. And that's why they always say that you keep your business plan, but it's not set in stone because you do have to tweak it and revise things as you see. Maybe the the trend in the industry may shift from where you thought you were going to go to a different area. So now you have to revisit that. Do you want to be a part of this? Do you want to be a part of that? You have to, you know, always keep your vision, but be okay with finding different avenues to get there to the end result. Now, what were some of the first steps you took to start marketing and building brand awareness once you had this awesome location and your store was completely finished? Um, well, I did have a part marketing um, PR company work with me at the start. So they pretty much put together, of course, working together with um, with me, I put together a marketing campaign, um, just reaching out to a lot of local listservs, local agencies, businesses, community groups to let them know that we were there. Um, I even got to meet with Senator um, Bill Perkins just to see what if there was anything possible for a push to be. Inez Dickens came out um, who our like local assembly and congressmen and things like that. And we also made sure that we reached out to the publications to let them know that we were here to um, have them come up to the salon and check it out see what we were doing, what we were presenting to the neighborhood. Ebony did a great piece on me. And actually, it's a lot of press from the beginning that has trickled down into other people finding us. Like, I remember waking up like two years ago, two or three years ago, and a friend of mine saying, oh, congratulations on your article. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she sent me the link, and Refinery29 ranked us as one of the best neighborhood nail salons in New York City. And I had no idea that that was even a thing. Yeah. That was completely organic. Someone must have come into the salon, and we tried to look up the writer to see who it was in our system, and she must have come in an alias because we don't even have, like, her name in our system. So it's pretty, that was like one of like really awesome moments that, wow, like we really damn good. You know, like someone actually came in and experienced our service and loved it enough to actually rank us on that list. And we've been on the top list for the past three years, actually, and we've been rated one of the most ethical salons in the city, best neighborhood nail salon, 
best salon to get a bridal manicure. Like we've been um, ranked on a couple of like really awesome lists and they've been totally organic, but I think it's that initial push that got our name out there that, hey, there's this girl in Harlem that's doing something really awesome and new and creative. Yes. Like, why not check it out? And from that, things just started rolling. Right. And Bed of Nails provides this luxury experience that you didn't get elsewhere. And, you know, it's so interesting because a lot of times when people think of New York, Harlem, everywhere from the village, like everyone has a spot where they can get, you know, many penny for $25. Like that is what yep. people think. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. are those people who they don't care what the cost is. They want that luxury mm-hmm. experience, that quality. And how did you go mm-hmm. about identifying those people? Yeah, so that's like a constant thing, you know, like just staying relevant, staying on the the cutting edge of the trend and letting your customer know. One, I'm grateful and glory to God that I'm able to, and I always joke and I'm like, Jesus is my PR because I haven't had a company do anything for me since we actually opened. Mm-hmm. Um, and just watching the way that work and business has, has, has you know, prevailed is literally a testament to just our hard work, to favor, and just our customers' word of mouth and telling other friends. And we have so many people who are like, oh, I'm paying for my friend, I'm buying gift certificates with so-and-so can come in because I love it and I love what you guys do. And it's literally been that, like the trickle down of just our great customer service. Um, you know, we guarantee our services for at least a week. If anything happens, you can come back in and get them redone you know i test and try out everything that we're doing every product that we use to make sure it's sustainable and something that you know i can say yep this works this is great um so i think it's just such a combination of things and people realizing who we are and what we do some people may be skeptical when they first come in like why is it so high level but once they there's no smell you see that you can communicate with your technician you see we have top of the line polishes you can book an appointment you know it's different and i think we we came on the scene at the time when people were just getting fed up of service yes you know sitting down all day and waiting for hours to get your nails done who's next and this won't cut me and i should be and why, why do i have to sit here and i don't like this service i can't why you don't understand but you want to take my money like people were tired like instead of it's like buying a cheap blouse like you may spend ten dollars for this shirt but then you have to throw it out and buy the second wear versus you know you may spend fifty dollars on this top but you know you can keep it for a lifetime so it's like it's the same thing and and I have clients that realize that once they sit down and like, you know what, I would, my job never look like this, but I would only pay $20, let's say. And it's like I, in a week, I'd have to get it done again. I'm like, well, this gel manicure is going to last you between two and three weeks. And you might've paid $45, but you're saving your time. You're not going back every week to do it. You're not damaging your nails by peeling it off and doing it every week. And by the time you do it every week, by the end of the month, how much are you going to pay versus if you just got it done one time at a reasonable rate? Right. So it's people, once they realize what they're doing and like, we have so many funny stories of clients who at first they're like, mm, and then they come in like, okay, like, all right, I'm making my next appointment, my two weeks. And at first they're fighting. Why do I need an appointment? I don't operate on appointments. I just want to come in. And then they're the same ones who are like, um, I'm, you guys are five minutes late. I'm supposed to be seated that too. And it's like, oh, really? Because two seconds ago, you didn't want an appointment. Now you, you become in the appointment. Right, right. So it's, 
it's just, you know, creating, like teaching people what service is and how mm-hmm. to appreciate customer service. And I think once people realize what they get for their dollar, they don't want to do it anywhere you else. can't look they back. Can, they, you they cannot understand. look back. Yeah. Yep. Now, let's fast forward to the Fashion Week piece. Now, how did you start to work with these major brands and have them start to commission your work? So I always say this, like when I speak to students and things like that, it's just really operating in a spirit of excellence. I remember when I first started, I would do a lot of free jobs. And like the first year of Fashion Week, I don't even think I got paid. Um, But to me, the experience was validation enough was, was my paycheck. And I would also always, no matter where I was, what I was doing, excellent work, make sure, because whether but there was a bed of nails, Candace Idahan is the brand, and bed of nails is what follows. So I always focus on making sure I'm doing great work, no matter what, what, no matter if I'm getting paid or not, because in my experience, if I make a contact at one of these shows or backstage doing something, I, it would always translate into a paid job later. And I would always go in do my best. And then from there I would get, Oh, like, Oh, you know, so cool. I'm going to get your information. Like I really like we do that. Or you're really pleasant to work with or whatever the conversation was. And later on they would call me like, Hey, we need a nail tech. We need a manicurist on this job. Can you come? And it would just literally trickle down to that. Like my name became synonymous with great work. So it would, oh, like I would meet a makeup artist and like, oh, like you were really cool and stuff. Like, I really like you. Can I get your information? And if she got booked for something and didn't have a nail tech, they would call me. So it was literally like my work spoke for itself. And through that, I built connections and um, was able to literally get to all the places and spaces that I got to because I didn't have an agent. I wasn't represented by anyone, but I got to do the best of the best. And I remember, and I always use this example, I worked with Marion Newman, who was like, one of the best nail techs ever to ever done it. Um, and she lives in London, it's based out of London. And she worked with Louis Vuitton um, while Marc Jacobs was um, the creative director, the designer there. So he, when he does his shows in New York, she would do his shows. And for whatever reason, she wasn't in New York. And I had only worked with her one time and she wasn't in New York. And she called me up from London in the middle of the night and was like, hey, Candace, do you want to go to do the test with Mark Jacobs? I'm not in New York and I'm not going to be able to do it, but I can trust you to go do it. And I was like, uh, hell yeah, I'll go do it. <laughs> but it's like, that was like, to me, it was like, wow, like I felt so blessed because this person who was a vet in the game 20 plus years, knows he's done everything back and forth between London and New York, Paris, everything. She called me. My, I think I was like just 26. Like she called me to go do a test with sitting one-on-one with Mark Jacobs. She trusted me enough and my work enough and my name enough to say, hey, can you go do this for me? And that was like, it's not me, it's my work that speaks for itself that someone can trust me to go do something like that. So it was literally like just that building connections, always looking out, striving for the best, trying to figure out where else I can go that could extend, you know, my experience, my repertoire, my lens, I guess, of focus. And that's why I wanted to go overseas and see what Fashion Week was like over there. What did they do? What type of nails did they do um, out there versus what we did here in, you know, in the States and just really getting to experience all facets of the industry. And it was literally through great work, networking, and staying true to my brand. 
Now, I understand that you've also completed some entrepreneurship programs, like the Tory Burch mm-hmm. one, I think. Can you talk to mm-hmm. us a little bit about that and what made you decide to pursue those particular programs and what did you learn from the experience? So I'm a lover of learning. Um, so I, I don't, I feel like you can always learn something. Like even now I still take nail classes on different techniques and things like that. I'm on YouTube, like I'm always learning. Um, and because I didn't actually have, um, like a business degree, I don't have an MBA, um, <clears throat> excuse me, or by the time I'm done, I'll, I'll finish all these programs, I feel like I have one, um, but I originally didn't go to school for business. So I wanted to actually gain more business experience, um, on that side of education. So I was told and like stumbled across the Tory Birch Foundation um, and the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses. Actually, I was told by a client um, who also had a company. She has a Limation Lemonade um, company. And she she came in to get her nails and she's like, hey, Candace, you know, you should apply to this program. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she she said, you know, I'm going to send you the link. It's Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small businesses, but Tory Burch is a part of it. And I think it'll be really great. And she was like, but you have to do it today because the deadline is tonight. And I'm like, oh, gee, thanks. So I had to like scramble to get whatever documents and the things that they needed to finish it by midnight after like working all day. So I didn't get home to like nine o'clock or something. And I had to like figure out what they needed, get it submitted and then hope for the best. But as we know, I was accepted after that for that deadline. And then we had to submit additional information. They approved me for that. And then we had face-to-face formal interviews. And by that point I was like, I'm going to be in this program. What, what's your name? You're, you're an advisor. Cool. Nice to meet you. I'll see you in October. Like, <laughs> like I just, I just knew I was going to be a part, part of it. I was just like into it. And I just knew that that's where I was going to be. And I, you know, did really, really well in that program. Um, made some awesome connections. And even before that, I had taken a bunch of courses just from my professor at city college he had put us in touch with like New York City Business Solutions, which I send a lot of um, young entrepreneurs to who just need um, like help and things. New York City Business Solutions score um, inside of the civil library in the city. There's a lot of like different programs for entrepreneurs that the city does have. And I've taken so many courses in a lot of their facilities. There's a business program for new Americans. They have a lot of classes on different levels of entrepreneurship, even teaching you how to use QuickBooks and things like that. So I'm taking a lot of different things, but I jumped into more of an intensive, like the Goldman Sachs program, because I really wanted to learn the business side of things. It's really hard to operate, especially, you know, I keep going back to just being young. Like I didn't have any experience. I, I never worked at a job for more than I literally, the longest I was ever working was 11 months. So I haven't even, I've never been at a job for even a year. You know, I didn't have that experience. I didn't know how to manage people. Um, like I learned that like, you can't talk to people crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, just learning. I had to take a communications class because you can't talk to your employee like you're talking to your friend, you know, like you, there's, there's levels to this, you know? So I had to learn all of those things and it's through, and even in Goldman Sachs, there's a philosophy of you don't fire people, you unhire them. 
show, it's like learning all of these things. And I just recently graduated also from the Streetwise MBA sponsored by Columbia University and Boston University and Citibank. And that was another program that helped to facilitate just learning business side of things like marketing techniques, learning how to scale your business create different streams and revenues and streams of income, manage your staff and utilize each individual person to get the best out of them and motivate them in ways. So there's so many things, of course, you know, in the business field that you have to learn on um, just from experience, but there's also textbook things that you need to learn so that you can put it all together and put it into practice. You've just dropped so many amazing resources, and I'm going to link to all of them in the show notes. So thank you for that. I, too, believe in lifelong learning, and I love the fact that you go out there and you find these programs and then you take the time, because I know you're also working. You know, you also have a Mm -hmm. personal life, but you are taking the time Mm -hmm. to make sure you continue to grow. And that is very commendable. Thank you. So what's next for Candice and for Bed of Nails? I'm right now working on products. Um, That's been a goal and passion of mine for years now. And I want to create, and just being in the industry, seeing what the needs are for clients and women and women and men, seeing what they need. I want to be able to create that there's such a market for that, for products that actually work on problem issues um, between cuticles, dry hands, dry skin, finding effective products that work so you can either take it with you to your um, local nail salon if there is not a bed of nails nearby, or you can even do them at home. I just recently went to the Packaging Expo to find some good packaging. I've already created my first product, which is a cuticle cream, um, and I've given it to about 15 clients to just test. And they've all rave reviews and they love it. So I'm like ecstatic about that. So that's one side. The other side, we're working on finding a new location because we actually have to move. Mm. So that's our, in the looming future, figuring that out. But I do want to start looking for um, other locations. I want to branch out and have several locations. That's always been my goal, to open better nails in this country and outside and all throughout the state. Okay. But I also want to, and I wish I was like excited about this opportunity. I'm working on doing a lot more public speaking and um, just speaking engagements along the ideas of entrepreneurship. Um, I get asked so often just via email or social media, like, hey, could you help me with like creating a business plan or I need help. I want to open a salon or I want to do something along beauty and I'm just at the beginning phases or I'm here and there. I I had one seminar um, that I hosted at the salon and about 15 people, I wanted to keep it small since it was my first and about 15 people showed for it and they, they loved it. And I didn't realize how much I was going to love it. And I did. And a couple of people came from like, this is what you should be doing. Like, this is awesome. And from there, I was like, you know, I really do want to jump in and do this because I think there's so much room, one, for entrepreneurship. And there's not that much out there for younger entrepreneurs. There's so many things geared to like older 
you know, um, business men and women, but not necessarily to younger, to the younger crowd. And there's so many ways that you can create income. Like no one said that you have to jump in and just, you know, quit your day job, but you can do both for a time until you figure out your plan and just helping you get on the track to identify what your plan or your idea may be is where I want to um, jump in. So I want to do more speaking and, and just motivating for just, young entrepreneurs and I say young because I believe youth is a state of mind so it doesn't have to be someone who's you know 25 but it may just be someone who this is their first endeavor in entrepreneurship love it well I wish you so much luck with it we're going to transition into the lightning round where you just answer the first thing that comes to mind are you ready oh my gosh okay (laughs) (laughs) all right number one What's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Um, New York City Business Solutions. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? I honestly watched The Profit. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Number three, what is a personal habit that has contributed to your success? Staying diligent. Honestly, just Staying committed to my vision and what my goal is, I believe, um, contributed to my success. There's so many times where people can say, oh, you should do this. You should try that. That would be great. You do that. I'm like, that does not align with this vision. I can see where it's cool, but no, that doesn't work. So just staying committed to what the the grand idea is and what your mission is, is really, um, really important. I think that definitely has helped. So important. Okay, number four, what is something that you have to do every day to keep your day on track? Read my Bible. Okay, and finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are afraid of losing that steady paycheck? Just start small. Figure out one, start, create a business plan because sometimes actually it's funny. One of the women who I um, spoke to inside of my entrepreneur class, she regular job nine to five. Um, I don't mean to say regular like that, but she has a job a nine to five and she knew she wanted to start her business. Like I want to do this. And once she, we went through the exactly what you need to start, all the, the work that she needs to put into it. She realized that she just wasn't ready for that at this point. Like the idea was great, but in reality, she just wasn't there. So I would say start with, you know, creating a business plan, really understanding what it's going to take for you to get from point A to point B. If you can find a mentor or find a business that you can shallow, you may not even need to like speak to someone physically one-on-one because I don't necessarily have a mentor. I have a couple of business models and things that, you know, people I can speak to, but like a couple of business models and things that I pull from different places. And I watch like, what was the path that this person took? What was the path that that person took? How did this get here? But look at if there's someone in the industry or something that you can identify with, maybe study how they've gotten to where they are and see like, can you do, can you do anything similar? Like what in your line or your field may allow you to get to where you need to be? But really start with creating a, a blueprint or the framework for whatever it is your business is or your idea is. And then, and then take your steps from there, meet with different business advisors, see what they can help you tease things out with to get you to the next step. So just start small, like small steps get you to your, to your end result and get you to the end of the game. And it does it in a, in a healthy way. 
You're so right. Such good advice. So, Candace, where can people connect with you after this show? Um, you can find me on my social media page at Candace Idahan. Um, you can also find me online at CandaceIdahan.com. Well, I'll be doing a lot more updating to my website. And you can also follow the Bed of Nails page at Bed of Nails NYC. Love it. All right, guys, there you have it. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at side hustle pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.